0: Scriptures come from the book of Acts, beginning first with the day of Pentecost and then moving ahead to chapter 16. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And they heard the sound like a violent wind that came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And the Holy Spirit filled them And enabled them to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now we come forward in the work of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts to chapter 16. When Paul and his, Paul and his companions had traveled through the regions of Phrygia and Galatia, but the Holy Spirit did not allow them to preach the word in the province of Asia. Then they came to the border of Mysia and tried to enter Bithynia but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. One night Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over here to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had that vision, we got ready at once to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Spirit wanted us to preach the gospel there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I love that line from comedian Lily Tomlin. She asks, Why is it when we talk to God, it's called prayer, but when God talks to us, it's called schizophrenia? There seems to be among the church in our day a suspicion that God would speak and a suspicion that God probably would not lead as well. But if you look at the hundred-year history of this church, You see a church in relationship with a God who speaks and with a God who leads. Think about how we got over here to Bassey Road from our original location. In the early 1980s, it became evident that the church was running out of room on Broadway. And so the best minds came together and came up with plans, plans that would enlarge a facility for children, that would enlarge uh, the ability Uh, parking so that we'd have ability to drive uh, right up to the church and they made plans and they worked to carry out those plans and they raised money to fund those plans but despite their best efforts the plans again and again were blocked and some years later 13 acres of land came open here in lincoln heights and because we had the money from a plan that we were never able to execute the money was able to buy the land And here we are to this day and on this day. We learned that we had one plan, but God had another plan. But I wasn't here. I didn't come to some months later, so I didn't know that lesson. So after about six years, I decided it was time that we get a strategic planning team together and talk and read and study and then tell God what our next move would be because I think it's always good to give God a little advance notice so God can start working on the plans that we have for God. And so we did and we read several books and different people on the committee gave book reviews and, and we talked about them and discussed them, but nothing happened. Nothing seemed to be emerging. And I remember one day reading and I saw the sentence. It said, we have built in America the best churches that people can build. But we are still waiting for the church that only God will build. And it began to strike me that maybe one of the reasons God wasn't telling us anything is we weren't planning to listen. And so we put our books away, and we put our great ideas and our graphs and our charts and our demographic studies away, and we started listening. And within three months, within three months, three people on that committee in three different parts of the country in that week all heard the same thing from God, that God was calling our next move not to be on this campus, but to be off this campus. And sometimes later, one of our pastors, Scott Here, is driving out 281, just driving and driving and and sees a a house with like a barn attached that's been used for a number of things. And and meets a realtor there, and then meets a woman there uh, working on that house. That woman, by the way, here with us this morning, Pamela Barquest, would become the founder of the very first Hope Center. How many are there now, Pam? Three Hope Centers now. Um, and it was something we hadn't planned. The Methodist Church said, you can't go out there. The demographics don't support it. That's not where we had planned to move. Our response is, that's where God told us to move. And Some years later, as you know, the Riverside community is in full blossom and blessing their community and then blessing us as well. It seems that the way God led in the days of Acts, God is still willing to lead that way today, which is if we will pray, God will speak, and if we'll obey, we'll know what to do and we'll do what God tells us to do rather than tell God what plans we have and see if God will jump in and help them. Now, I know, I know why people like me like to have planning teams. I know why people like me would rather tell God what God is supposed to be doing to help us rather than us get on with what God wants to do in the world. And that's because, first of all, it's just a lot easier because if I make the plans, then I know the next step. If I make the plans, I'm in control. If God's making the plan, God will often tell me the first step but won't tell me the next one until I take the first one. makes me a little uneasy and if i make the plan then i'm a player if i make the plan i'm a major contributor if i make the plan then maybe i get famous and i'm still haunted by ross king the christian musician's observation that for too much of his life he wanted to make himself famous instead of making jesus famous but what are the results the results are these With all my plans, what I ended up with was a lot of activities and a lot of deadlines that I gave God. Because I came up with all this stuff, I would say, God, now we need X amount of money by this date, or we need X amount of people to sign up by Friday so we can do what I told you we were going to do. So I had false deadlines. And then I had uh, just a whole slew of activities that I would have and no one would attend. My favorite one. A few years ago, we decided, uh, staff that what we needed was a child-friendly service on Wednesday evening that, that parents could come and they could sit with their children comfortably all the way through. The music would be different. The message would be a little different. We'd serve dinner ahead of time. And uh, the, the night came and, and we had the chairs set up and we had the stage set up and we had the food ready to serve and no one was there. We jumped ahead of God. We told God what we thought would be a good idea without seeing if that was really god's idea and the end result is basically people in the church the leaders the staff the congregants they're all tired from all the programs we come up to do that we really don't haven't been called to do jeremiah makes this promise ask for the ancient ways and walk in them and you will find rest for your soul. If I were to find a word to describe our congregation, our staff, and our pastors, the word I would not use to describe us is rested, because we keep coming up with all this stuff, rather than to do the things that God has called us to do. So, in the book of Acts, what I see is God telling them what to do, and they do it. And when they decide they want to do something and it's not part of God's plan, God blocks it, and moves them elsewhere. Now, this is pretty difficult because it will require a different way of being for us. Uh, we will have to ask God for help and we'll have to listen and watch for what God is saying rather than use our own uh, plans and then, then tell them to God. But God promises to answer when we ask. James 1.5 says, Does any of you lack wisdom? Ask God. God will give it to you in abundance. Jeremiah 33.3, 3, the prophet says gives this invitation from God, call on me, ask me, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. We ask, and then we listen, and we watch, and you might be amazed at what you will hear and see. A number of years ago, 2005, there were people in the choir and the leadership that got the sense that God was talking to them about being more hospitable, about opening ourselves up, uh, to receive other people. About the same time I'd been to a training for people who work with interns from uh, uh, Duke Divinity School, and the whole theme was about opening ourselves up, becoming hospitable to whoever God might bring our way. And somebody else had received the same message, so the choir did a retreat on it. We did sermon series and started talking about it and, about the, and what it might look like. And about the time we had finished our initial discussion about what it might look like, Hurricane Katrina hit And hundreds of people came into our community. But God had prepared us. And we opened our hearts and our lives to them. There were at least 20 families that were directly dependent on this church to eat and to function and to survive. And many more families found assistance in other ways from so many people in our congregation who opened their lives to them. God was preparing us. And fortunately we were about what God wanted to do at that time, so we were ready when the moment came. But then that raises the question, how do I know what God is saying? How do I know? How do I know it's God speaking and not just bad Mexican food I had last night? Well, can't tell you for sure. Let me tell you from experience some things I think I know. First of all, usually when God speaks to me, God does not like strike me on the road to Damascus. It's just not that obvious. And I think one of the reasons that God speaks to me in more subtle ways is because it's subtle, I have to stay in conversation with God and with you and with the Scripture. If God just knocked me off my horse or, just, or my car and just flattened me right there, I'd go, okay, I get it. And I might not come back to Him at all. But when God speaks more subtly, I have to keep coming back to Him, to you, to the Scripture. Uh, one way people talk about that is impressions on the Spirit are leadings. The Bible calls it a still, small voice that God will whisper to you something that God is calling you to do. And you're going to have to stay in conversation for the next whisper to know how to move forward. So how do you know if this whisper you're sensing is from God? Uh, Three things have typically been helpful. One, you always check it against the Bible. The Bible is the permanent address for God's word and God's will. And if what God is calling you to do is contrary to Scripture, let me give you a hint. You're not being called to do it. Uh, Second thing is, I watch for circumstances that seem to support it. Is God closing some doors but yet opening some windows? What's going on? How do I read what is happening in my life or in the community or in the congregation? And then thirdly, I will trust Christian people who are also in conversation with prayer and ask them if they see the same things in these signs that I see. Are they hearing what I hear? But often I will go to them last. Some of you know, when I think God is telling me something, what I will say to God is, God, I need this confirmed independently three times. I'm just a little bit like Gideon. I'm a little, I'm a little dense. You need to make it a little plainer for me. And so I will watch to see if God will confirm what I think is going on. And, and if so, three times at least. I won't bring it up. Somebody will mention it. I won't be looking for it. It'll be on TV. I won't have thought about it. It'll be in that morning's devotional. And so I'm looking we had uh, something happening in our church during Lent a few years ago. It was a big decision, kind of a, a crossroads uh, we were at at the time among the leadership. And so I determined I would pray about it all during Lent. But I didn't tell anybody else. I was just doing this myself. On the Monday after Easter, two women came into my office. And they're well known by me for people who are very prayerful. They're, they stay in conversation with God. And they came in, they sat down, they said, we're supposed to talk to you. And I said, well, okay come in and they said we know that you have asked God a question and God has sent us to tell you that the answer to that question is no and that's the answer I'd heard so I was thank you and then I told them that I'd been praying for more than six weeks and the answer I got the Thursday before Easter was no and they had confirmed it God will do that but we're going to have to listen and we're going to have to watch. But it can and will happen because God would not lead us to this point simply to abandon us. And I think God loves us too much to abandon us to our own plans, no matter how brilliant they are. God will continue to lead and guide if we'll continue to listen. One of my favorite plans, this is one of the best ones I've come up with in years, involved our former intern, Mark Williams. And Mark, some of you know, great guy, interned with us from Duke and And uh, we loved him, and he he worked so well with us that when he graduated, we brought him back. And he served here for two more years, but then his wife had to go back to Duke to finish her last two semesters of medical school. So uh, the plan that I came up with and informed God, so God would have like almost nine months to work on it, which for God should be plenty of time, and I said, God, now, now Emily needs to come back and do her residency here in San Antonio. I know for a fact that this program is a five-year residency and that'll give us Mark for at least five more years. It's a winner. He gets a job. She's got a residency. This is great. Now, my secret plan that God knew, but I didn't tell anybody was, Mark comes back, I'm taking a sabbatical. But that was another story. Well, she didn't get the residency here. Ended up in Columbia, South Carolina, the University of South Carolina of all places. Well, July 1st, Mark moved there and twiddling his thumbs, not doing much, no church, uh, to pastor. Um, But I find out that my mentor from seminary has now moved to Columbia, South Carolina, as an assistant to the bishop in the Methodist Church there. So I said, you need to meet Willie. He's made a huge difference in my life and in Pam's life and in our marriage, and you just need to meet him. And so they went to lunch, and they went to lunch again, and they started uh, visiting with regularity. Willie started working on the bishop and the superintendent and Thursday morning the bishop calls and they have a church for Mark just 12 miles from his home in Columbia, South Carolina. But they say this to him, they say, you know, Mark, you are new to the Methodist Church in South Carolina, so we're not really sure that you know how to do things the way we want them done. So we think it's very important that you have a supervisor and mentor and we've assigned my mentor to be yours when i got off the phone i knew two things one we'd come full circle and the one who had coached me was now coaching him but more importantly than that i had to laugh because it was another example of where i had my plans and god had god's plans and as usual gods were wiser